The views and opinions of this program are those of its host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 90.1 FM, KKFI, Midcoast Radio Project, or its staff and volunteers. Welcome to Jaws of Justice Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. It's Monday morning. My name is Terry. Today, we'll hear a talk I had with Akile Anai, Director of the Department of Agitation and Propaganda of the, of the African People's Socialist Party. Akile Anai is the editor of the Burning Spear newspaper, a monthly black power journal in continuous publication since the 1960s. The Uhuru Movement is an American-based socialist and African international movement founded in 1972 and led by the African People's Socialist Party, whose chairman is Omali Yeshitela. Uhuru is the Swahili word for freedom. The Uhuru Movement is centered on the theory of African internationalism, which it says provides a historical materialist explanation for the social and economic conditions of African people worldwide. Also in our hour, Jaws of Justice will replay a Democracy Now! segment which originally aired on August 10, 2022. In this segment, Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez interview the chairman, Omali Yeshitela who was in the Uhuru House in St. Petersburg, Florida, when the FBI raided on July 29, 2022. Some believe the FBI targeted the African People's Socialist Party because it is a black organization that has dared to confront and oppose United States imperialism. We bring you vital information, underserved or ignored by mainstream media. On Jaws of Justice, we examine how to find justice in our society. Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Now, our show. This is Terry Wilkie. This morning on Jaws of Justice, I'm lucky I get to interview Akile Anai. She's the 26-year-old editor of the Burning Spear newspaper, a monthly Black Power journal that's been in continuous publication since the 1960s. She's a former St. Petersburg, Florida City Council candidate, and she was featured in Ebony Magazine in 2017 as a millennial of change. Welcome this morning, Akile. Thank you so much, Terry, for having me. So you are one of the FBI's unindicted co-conspirators described in the Department of Justice indictment of a Russian national issued on the same day as a multi-city violent FBI raid on seven Uhuru movement properties. And I understand you expect you might be arrested any time now. Yes, we've got indications that um, that is the case. Indictments can, should be expected. So the event happened July 29 of 2022. And let's lay this out for our listeners. Number one, what is the Uhuru movement? 
The Uhuru movement um, is really an umbrella uh, term for the organizations, institutions, and programs under the political leadership of an organization uh, called the African People's Socialist Party. And uh, the African People's Socialist Party was founded in 1972 by a man named Chairman Omalia Shetela um, with the objective to complete the Black power movement that had been crushed by the U.S. government, the same U.S. government, the same FBI that's after us today, um, who's responsible for crushing our movement in the 1960s. So the chairman determined that, you know, we cannot accept this lying down, that uh, Black people, African people in this country and out and throughout the world must be free. And we have to have um, an organization, a vehicle uh, to pursue that freedom. And so um, thus, the party was born, and the Uhuru movement has just become this larger extension. It's an international organization. We exist um, all throughout this country, um, in Europe, in Africa, and in in the Caribbean. So, and growing. So, and why we, call it Uhuru? We say Uhuru. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and. Um, it, uh, it's something that we say and we characterize ourselves as because freedom is our uh, our total objective, to be free, um, African people, and to, and to free the world from the misery, the suffering uh, that it is that we experience based on a reality forged through the oppression, the enslavement and exploitation, the colonial plunder of Africa and African people, um, this land here that belongs to the indigenous people um, and, and you know elsewhere where this type of uh, colonial assault has been made um, throughout the world, the world that's been forged through that reality, we're saying we wanna be free of that. So that's why Uhuru. So I did some background research and the chair of the Uhuru movement, Omali Yeshitalia, is a member of the African People's Socialist Party and he lives in Florida. In his youth, in the 1960s, he was an organizer with SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Is that correct? That's uh, correct. Um, he formed the, the the party, and uh, but prior to that, um, in the around the the mid to late 60s, he was a member organizer of the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. And when I try to understand socialism it's it seems social it seems ethical but it's also political socialism is a political construct i had to do a little research on the three main goals of socialism so those are one collective ownership of the means of production two central planning of the economy Three, emphasis on equality and economic security with the goal of reducing class distinctions. This is not capitalism, not no way, no shape, no how. And this is why the African People's Socialist Party identify as socialists as opposed to capitalists, even though there is some business construct inside your endeavors. Isn't this correct? Yes, but we would define it more so as institutions of dual and contending power. So um, not participating in the same way as, you know, businesses do and trying to, you know, uh, achieve some kind of wealth under capitalism. What we are doing is because the types of programs, the types of institutions that we build, it's to negate the influence 
of the colonizer, of the ruling class in our community. And um, so at the same time, we're responding to the needs of the community, of the people, the thing that the government, the politicians don't do. We are doing that work uh, to uh, meet those needs while also transforming the conditions of our community and making it possible so that we don't have to depend on the government for anything, that we can produce it and, and do it for ourselves. We do it all the time for somebody else anyway, for somebody else's community anyway. So what we want um, for our people to be able to do is to take you know, their skills, their labor, their genius, their resources, and to pour it back into their own community, build these institutions that meet their needs, that transform their conditions simultaneously. So this is a different situation than just having a owning a business, trying to you know uh, uh, achieve a modicum of success under capitalism. Right. I found that your organization, Uhuru, identifies their interests as reparations for slavery, and those are not just physical; they're sort of mental, emotional reparations as well. And then to end oppression. And that means not to oppress anyone as well. And then, of course, and this might just be my addition, so check me if that's true. But jobs, a collective ownership, an increased education, an opportunity for community building and involvement. Are these things all true? I mean, yeah, these are things that we are trying to create for our community. And again, this is going back to the concept of of dual and contending power, because, again, right now, what we do is we clock into someone else's job and then we work however many hours. Some most most people today, I think, at least either work a 10 to 12 hour shift or have two jobs. And then you produce all this value for that company. For the person who owns the company, doesn't do the labor, doesn't do the work, but owns the company, owns the resources that come in, and then you know it, it and is able to determine what it is that you get, not based on the value of what it is that you produce, um, you know, but whatever it uh, determines is enough for you to eat and then come back to work the next day. So this is um, our reality right now, and we don't want to live that way anymore. We you know want to again be able to all the time, all those hours that we are spending and giving to somebody else for for this pittance, this little little ability just to survive, we we want a we want to totally change that relationship and and to be able to say, okay, the resources, the things that I'm providing, I'm producing are things that I will be able to benefit from. And not just me as an individual, but my entire community will be able to benefit and be uplifted um, um, by as a consequence. That sounds very reasonable to me. But now then, would you tell our listeners what happened in July of 2022 and how the FBI were involved in? Yes. Um, The FBI came to the private homes and institutions of Uhuru movement leaders, including Chairman Amalia Shetela, Ona Zanea Shetela, who leads the economic projects, um, of dual and contending powers, I've mentioned, um, and uh, also into the white community where we have an organization, a base of support in the white community uh, through the Uhuru Solidarity Movement. And uh, so they attacked these homes. They came with uh, at five o'clock in the morning with um, assault rifles, drones, flashbang grenades, 
um, battering rams, uh, uh, you know, uh, vehicle, you know, you know, like armored vehicles, you know, camouflage, all camouflaged. And, you know, I'm, I mean, there had to be like dozens upon dozens of agents uh, um, in St. Louis. And at the same time, they uh, are doing this in St. Petersburg, Florida. So it's 6 a.m. on the East Coast, but it's simultaneous so that we cannot actually communicate with one another um, that this is happening. And so they um, they take our radio station off the airwaves. That was one thing they did. They jammed the phones. Yes. Um, they... They lured me out of my home. They told me that my car had been broken into and they used the local police um, uh, uh, agency here, the you know police department here to tell me my car had been broken into. They told me to come check my car, see what's, what was missing. And then I look up and I'm surrounded by FBI agents. Um, and then they are at our Huru house, which is in St. Pete. Um, and they had this whole community on lockdown for nine hours as they raided this building, taking financial records, taking material from our party's archives, you know, and leaving a wave of destruction that we had to pay for. We had to replace all the things that they stole and that they damaged. They took our phones. They took our computers and essentially anything that we were using to communicate, they took it and um, never and have never gotten back, never gotten those back. They handcuffed and zip tied the chairman, the deputy chair um, and members of our solidarity movement, um, even though no one was being charged with anything. No one was being charged, you know, at this time. So, um, you know, this is the kind of violence that we were met with um, on July 29th. Um, and yeah, so. I'll, I'll stop there. Had any member of the group been involved with violent activity such as that on their part where the FBI would be responding? Uh, as in like going to some police or FBI headquarters and throwing doing... flash grenades at them and, or no. throwing <laughs> flash grenades at anyone and well, as I take a look at your website, which let's stop here a second and tell our listeners uh, how they can. I, I referenced Wikipedia. There is a very good story. But what is your website? How can people learn more about this? Um, Handsoffuhuru.org. So there's no spaces. Uhuru. U-H-U-R-U dot O-R-G. Yeah, thank you. So no one was guilty of any behavior like this that would cause armed officers to to come and enter the home and they did some damage to some of the homes isn't that true they used battering rams and uh had there been any ask from the authorities prior to this incident had they so it just comes out of the blue early early in the morning mm -hmm. And then have there been arrests? So no arrests uh, have been made up to now. And, uh, and it's just, a year later. And it's, yeah, almost a year later, right? You know, July is uh, creeping up. And, um, you know, I just want to say that this isn't new violence in terms of what our movement and even the Black community have been met with in the past. I mean, if you look at you know, I mean, we mentioned the Black Power Movement of the 1960s. I mean, Fred Hampton in Chicago, Illinois, in, in 1969, 4 a.m. in the morning, FBI is banging down doors and shoots him, guns him down, you know. Yeah, and, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's there's this violence that is, you know, associated with, 
you know, the state and our community. And we're used to that. And we've, and the reason why no one was uh, turned into a martyr on that day was because we have the history, the lessons of the past that allow us to move um, in a certain way uh, and to be uh, security conscious and aware that this is always possible. So we have this history, but it's something that's not unique or, or, um, an anomaly. It's something that uh, I certainly think the Black community is used to. Um, we experience it. Even people around us were saying, I thought they were there for me because it's something that we experience. I mean, they were in our community. So people were seeing this and 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 they didn't know who it was for, but it's an assumption that it could be for any of us because this is how our community you know, is treated all the time. To date, there have been no charges, but what's the closest you have heard of the FBI's interest in in these actions? Yeah, um, they uh, they indicated to us in December of last year that um, we indictments were imminent. I mean, they were pretty clear that indictments could be expected. Um, and initially, they they told us in the beginning of this year of 2023. And so when we say any day now, um, our expectations is any day now. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's this is what we were told. Again, they stole all our files, all our communication records, all of these things um, in an effort to be able to fabricate a story to convince you and to convince a jury <laughs> that um, this organization that's been fighting for the freedom of Black people um, under the leadership of African people ourselves um, is some kind of instrument or puppet tool for the Russian government. This is what they're accusing us of. And so this is what the charges will most likely be based around um, of that uh, kind of absurd accusation. But um, as I mentioned, no arrests yet, um, but they have, they told us to expect indictments. So have any of you been to Russia? Um, yes, the chairman has been to Russia uh, to speak um um representing our organization our movement um but the chairman has been to nicaragua the chairman has been to spain uh the chairman has been to oxford you know the chairman has been in africa you know to do the same thing you know that he's done for the past 50 years of his life um to to advocate for and to speak on behalf of the whole uh african nation so it's a fairly transparent fear of the communists and then the fear of the black American. And as long as I've been living, and I'm sorry for this, Okile, but I believe that racism shows the collective guilt of the white people. So everyone is aware of the atrocities of slavery and discrimination from its inception and then through all time. 400, 600 years, I would say that there are laws against it, but it's the ability to discriminate still has a great carte blanche in, in the United States. And given that people are aware of the great atrocities that were committed and the great harm that have been done to Black people, there is a tendency of conservative whites and authorities to want to blame it on Black people. It, it wasn't us. It was them. They are bad. They need to be controlled. They need to be put into jail. They need to be put into prison. And I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry that you find yourself 
Well, you were born into this, certainly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I just wanted to uh, contribute some thoughts to what it was you just said, because I think um, part of the error is that we see slavery or we might see slavery as some kind of event that happened in the past and that doesn't have you know, a, a, a situation where it's informed our reality today. The fact is that the modern world we know and exist in today came into existence through colonialism, through slavery, and that that relationship never changed. And that, you know, uh, at the same time slavery was legal, then it was, you know, quote unquote, outlawed in this country. But now you had convict leasing. Then you have now you have just the mass incarceration of black people. I mean, where does this come from? It comes from the same process that stole black people from Africa and brought us here and then made us a black American or something to that effect. So that it's not an event of the past. It's something that is entrenched. It informs our everyday lives. And, and this is, um, you know, what we're confronted with. And, you know, when we look at uh, those same ideas that people have about black people today of, of, uh, of, you know, we're more criminal and that's why we deserve to be in prison. It sounds a lot like the ideas that the colonizer in Europe had when they said black people need civilization. Therefore, we're going to go into Africa. We're going to do what we want. And, and, and the same thing was true for the indigenous people. They have no civilization. We have to bring it to them, right? We got to bring the culture. It sounds like the same thing because it is the same thing. It, uh, just looks, you know, um, in different ways, uh, this this is what we're confronted with. So I just wanted to to say that, Terry. I'm sorry. I certainly don't apologize. I feel I should that you're the person owed the apology. Your and your ethnicity. The amazing thing to me is, if we take a look at it, the strength of the Black culture, even through hundreds of years of oppression and a denial of personhood a denial of education, a complete victimization. Still, you have developed a culture which has got such fabulous strength. And I'm not at all surprised to see that it is socialistic, that it cares for each other. And uh, that's good on you, really, a monument. Yeah, that's that's why saying that this is all a Russian plot is absurd and it's offensive, right? Because, you know, everything that you said, I mean, the atrocities that have been committed that continue to be carried out against our people and we continue to fight back. And there's never been a point in our history where we were confronted with colonialism and slavery that we accepted it laying down. We never did. We've always fought just like we're fighting today. Um, and you're right. It's a very resilient. Um, we hear that word resilient uh, community, but it really is. And the values and things that we have with us are things that we we left Africa with. I mean, these are, you know, concepts that are not brand new to human society, human civilization. Um, and the, the fact is they've tried to beat it out of us. They tried to, you know, confuse us. And, 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 and they're taking out history out of some of the classrooms today because they're trying to erase this kind of evidence and, you know, trying to confuse people. But they it, it, it's not successful. Like you said, 600 years of this and it's still not successful. Black people still have a desire to be free no matter what it is that they've done. So, you know, it's. And good and, and not be co-optated so that you don't wind up just acting like white people. Right. Are or the status quo. 
what have you been doing to mobilize public opinion and what has the response been from the community? Is there movement in the Kansas City area? Um, can I mean, we're definitely like a, uh, St. Louis is definitely our stronghold. And I know that we are like really expanding throughout the Midwest um, and certainly in various places in this country. Um, after the attacks, I mean, we there was a flood of support. There was this outrage that poured in from all types of people, people that we may um, not agree with ideologically, politically, or anything like that. But there was a recognition that this was a violation. This was a violation of any supposed democratic rights that Black people have in this country was violated. People are also, in general, I think, in the white community too, disenchanted, disillusioned by who the FBI is, and the and the police and the state itself and the intervention that it makes in people's lives. I mean, that more and more is clear. You can read some statistics where the confidence in the government, in the F, in agencies like the FBI is decreasing um, exponentially. And um, so this was like the types of support we saw coming, you know, out of the gate. And um, if this is something that we've just continued to build on, we mounted the hands off of Huru, hands off Africa counter offensive. Um, and uh, yeah, we just really brought this struggle to really all around the world. I mean, we've been um, the chairman recently spoke in Washington, D.C. at an answer coalition um, rally. Um, he's, you know, we toured him uh, throughout this country. We've been doing demonstrations in uh, London, in uh, occupied Azania, what they call South Africa. Um, we're, you know, been organizing in Jamaica around this campaign. So um, it's really profound. And recently, actually, we just left Birmingham, Alabama from the Regions Bank headquarters uh, because Regions Bank has colluded with the FBI in attacking this movement and attacking the programs of this movement. Um, so we were there at their headquarters, boy, you know, demanding boycott regions, withdraw, you know, all, all this kind of stuff. So um, that's uh, the type of work. And again, the, the overwhelming response, people are really, really taking this opportunity to push back, to fight back and, um, you know, with this movement, but also because they, there's a recognition of that this is not right. It's not acceptable. And if we allow them to, um, you know, attack this organization in broad daylight in front of all of our faces, then we open up the door to what it is, you know, all the possibilities that they can do to repress, you know, the motion by the people to want to, you know, um, overturn their oppression. Well, Akili and I, thank you for being a guest on Jaws of Justice. My name's Terry Wilkie. We've been talking to the chair of media for the Uhuru movement. And good on you. Good luck to you. You have right on your side. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much. Support for KKFI comes from the Climate Council of Greater KC, presenting the 2023 Earth Festival. It is April 15th through the 23rd and is nine days with over 25 events located across the KC metro area. From sustainable energy, transportation, and fashion workshops to Compost Fest and Earth Day of Action. Visit www.climategkc.org to find out more and plan your Earth Festival schedule. Hi, I'm Janine Jackson, host of Counterspin, your weekly look behind the headlines. Counterspin couldn't exist without stations like KKFI that put community first. We're proud to air every Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. And if you miss it, you can find it at kkfi.org. 
That's Counterspin every Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. right here on KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. KKFI values the opinions of our community, and we want you to be heard. Let us know what you think about our programs by going online to kkfi.org slash survey. Now the calendar for the week of April 10th. Legal Aid of Western Missouri provides free civil legal services to low-income and vulnerable people in Jackson County, Missouri. Interested individuals can call 816-474-6750 to apply. Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America is a very active group of mothers and others. You can learn where their virtual meetings this week will occur at momsdemandaction.org. Monday, April 10th, 6 p.m., is the Moore Square Monthly Issues to Action meeting. They meet every second Monday of the month. Leaders and members from across the metro gather online to advance social and economic equity. These meetings are open to any who are interested in getting involved. Usually, there are some general updates and announcements, then teams will break out by issue focus to plan their next steps of action. The Zoom link is available at moresquare.org. Tuesday, April 11th at 3 p.m. is the Notasaki meeting, Civil Rights of Immigrants. This is on Zoom, and the Zoom link is available at moresquare.org. Friday, April 14th at noon, Empower Missouri's Friday Forum is a virtual event, and the topic is land banks and land trusts. More info at empowermissouri.org. Sunday, April 16th, 1 to 9 p.m., the 25th annual Have a Heart for Hope House Jazz and Blues Benefit is at BB's Lawnside Barbecue. 1205 East 85th Street, Kansas City, Missouri. A list of services, meals, and hotlines specific to sheltering are available at Lawrence Progressive Calendar.blogspot.com. That's updated daily. My name is Terry, reminding you that these events and more can be found on the Jaws of Justice radio page on the KKFI website, kkfi.org as well as on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. Stay safe. Thanks to all our listeners. Stay close to your dial and stay well. We'll now return to our show. We're going to replay an August 2022 excerpt from Democracy Now!, where Amy Goodman and Juan Gonzalez interview Chairman Omali Yeshitiva of the Uhuru Movement. This is Democracy Now!, democracynow.org. I'm Amy Goodman with Juan Gonzalez. As we turn to look at the FBI raiding several properties in late July in St. Louis, Missouri, and St. Petersburg, Florida, tied to the African People's Socialist Party, which leads the Uhuru Movement. The Pan-Africanist group has been a longtime advocate for reparations for slavery, a vocal critic of U.S. foreign policy. The raids came as the Justice Department 
Department indicted a Russian man living overseas named Alexander Yanov. Uh, using U.S.-based group, US groups to spread Russian propaganda. The groups were not named in the indictment, but reportedly include the African People's Socialist Party. One of the FBI raids targeted the home of Amali Eshetela, the founder of the African People's Socialist Party. He accused the FBI of targeting his group for their political work. He's joining us now from St. Louis. Amali, welcome back to Democracy Now! We actually spoke to you first in about a half a, about a quarter of a century ago in 1996 when democracy now just began can you though go back to the end of july and talk about what happened talk about that day of the raid where were you my wife and i were um, awake we were sitting at dining room table discussing how we're going to be moving for the day she uh, is responsible for, has organized a doula program to train African women, uh, young women, uh, uh, in becoming doulas. Uh, and this is in a city where, uh, in the first year of life, uh, enough black babies die uh, to fill uh, 15 kindergarten classes every year. So we, we were talking about that, and I literally actually was preparing to go to the gym. And then uh, we heard this loud racket outside, this noise uh, from loudspeakers de demanding the, that the residents of this property should come out with our hands up <clears throat> and nothing in our hands. And, uh, and, and as, as this was being said, uh, a loud uh, flashbang grenades uh, were exploding uh, all around the house. And I was later to learn uh, in the back stairwell of the house so uh, I asked her to allow me to leave first and to get on the phone to call people to let them know that we were being raided. And uh, she tried, but was unable to do it because they had jammed our phones. Uh, so I went down the stairwell, and uh, when I got uh, to the bottom of the stairwell, uh, these uh, laser dots uh, from uh, automatic weapons were bouncing off my chest. and. Uh, I heard these commands to move toward them, to, toward the light. There was a large armored vehicle uh, in front of my house. There were uh, camouflage-clad uh, troopers, uh, FBI agents, and I don't know who else, uh, with flag jackets and uh, automatic weapons. My wife uh, followed me down, and on her way down, uh, a drone went past her head going up the stairwell into the house. Uh, so I went outside and uh, was uh, zip-tied um, the, at the side of the house. Uh, there were, I don't know how many FBI agents there were, uh, but there were a lot of them and a lot of different vehicles. Uh, and my wife came downstairs. She was handcuffed behind her back. And I'm asking them why, what's, what's going on. Uh, they uh, said that uh, they had a search warrant uh, for, for my house, and I asked them to see the search warrant. And uh, they uh, conveniently didn't have it on them, uh, but it was somewhere uh, in the vicinity, and they'd get it. Uh, uh, we were uh, told to sit on the curb, which we didn't comply with. And they said, well, you can sit uh, in the back seat of the car. And we saying, I don't want to sit anywhere. I want to leave. That uh, <clears throat> I don't even want you here. I don't want to be here with you. Uh, they said, again, why, why are you here? Why are you uh, attacking this house? Uh, they took my cell phone. They said that they were there because later that morning, 
there was going to be an indictment uh, out of Tampa, Florida, against a Russian national. And should he ever come to the United States, he would be arrested. Uh, that somehow my name was involved in this indictment. Uh, and uh, so that was the basis they gave for, for the arrest. I didn't know it at the time. Uh, but uh, across town, and uh, uh, one of our offices was being attacked. This was an office of the African People's Solidarity Committee. Uh, and they used battering rams to go into that house, uh, into that center. Uh, and upstairs, uh, there were two residents. Uh, these were white people who uh, were also handcuffed uh, at gunpoint. <clears throat> they had already knocked out the windows <clears throat> in, in the house, in my house. They had, uh, they had uh, knocked the door, some doors loose from the hinges. Uh, they had come through the back stairwell, as I mentioned. They used flashbang grenades in the rear of my house, uh, plaster all over everything. Uh, and in St. Petersburg, Florida, 27 days after they had done uh, what appears to us now to have been a test run uh, with, uh, on July 2nd, uh, with uh, someone pulling into the parking lot in broad daylight and from his trunk, uh, trunk, car trunk, pulling uh, uh, a military-grade flamethrower to torch the 15 by 25-foot red, black, and green flag that uh, was on this 50-foot flag, flagpole. Uh, and, and this had occurred. FBI, eight, Homeland Security, local police came out. Uh, they refused to charge the guy with anything except uh, um, uh, some kind of misdemeanor mischief. Uh, they refused to characterize it as arson. And uh, so it's upon uh, trying to understand that initially, um, clearly uh, suggested to us that it was not just some casual guy who just happened to have a flamethrower in, in his trunk uh, who didn't like us, who did this, but, uh, but that the state was somehow involved. And then 27 days later, as I mentioned, they would attack uh, that same building, uh, the same building, by the way, that you referenced, uh, where we came under attack in 1996 with 300 uh, local uh, county, state, uh, uh, and uh, federal uh, forces. Uh, so it's the same building, and this time they didn't say anything about Russians or indictments. In fact, nobody was arrested. They used all the tear gas at that time that they had in the city of St. Petersburg against us. So clearly, uh, you know, we've been in t uh, targeted. They, they stole uh, cell phones, they stole laptops, they stole iPads, uh, they stole uh, like something like 40 years of archives that we have in that building in St. Petersburg, Florida, of, our, of the history of our movement, of our party. Uh, and the struggle uh, there in St. Petersburg. And uh, they also uh, detained, they went to the residence of uh, Akilia Nai, who's a young woman who oversees uh, most of our uh, communications work. Uh, and <clears throat> they told her a lie that someone was breaking into her car to draw her outside of the house. And then at that time, they forced their way into her car at, uh, as she opened it to check the car. They stole her cell phone, and uh, she is one of those persons who's also a so-called unindicted co-conspirator, along with me, uh, Penny Hess, uh, uh, Jesse Neville, uh, and uh, so, you know, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop.
Well, Molly, this is an astounding story. I mean, here we, uh, the for those of us who are familiar with the radical movement in black and brown communities in the United States, the African People's Socialist Party has been in existence for more than 40 years. It's, it, it's part of, it arose out of the black community and is one of the few organizations that has consistently maintained a, uh, an anti-capitalist, a, a socialist, an internationalist perspective, and now suddenly you're being accused of being uh, uh, pawns of the of the Russian government. Can, uh, can, what can, what sense can you make of this uh, of this attack? I think that what we're experiencing, and by the way, this is uh, the fifth May was 50 years of existence for the African People's Socialist Party. But you're right. We came out of, I was a SNCC organizer, we came out of the whole civil rights movement. And I think that we're uh, uh, dealing with the fact that the United States is facing an existential crisis of sorts, the whole social system is, <clears throat> where it was this uncontested hegemon for the longest period of time. Uh, it is now uh, being perceived by much of the world, and I think rightly so, uh, as a force that's losing its grip uh, on the world. And, you know, having suffered military defeat in Afghanistan, having suffered humiliation uh, in Saudi Arabia, that uh, the, the country that uh, Biden had to said he was going to turn into some kind of pariah and then have him to find himself slinking over, uh, slithering over, I should say, fist bumping uh, the prince. Uh, I just think it's an existential crisis and the African People's Socialist Party. Uh, I want to invite you uh, and, and all of your listeners to come and see the work that we're doing in St. Louis. We've transformed an entire most oppressed African community. When they came to get us uh, at our house, uh, they came to Red Bud, 44 Bud, as it's referred to. It's the most depressed, uh, economically depressed, uh, uh, politically neglected uh, uh, place in St. Louis. And we've transformed uh, uh, much of that. Uh, our party has done in pulling the people into actual uh, active uh, political work to, to change that community. We've brought basketball courts where there were none. We built it ourselves. No city government, no help. We've initiated a doula program where 20 young African women uh, have just recently, even as we were being uh, attacked, this was happening there. We've, we've created uh, uh, um, uh, uh, programs that for African men and women who are leaving prison, the workforce program, the opening, uh, we bought properties where we uh, opening a bakery cafe uh, to train uh, people coming out of prisons and culinary arts and things like this. We bought properties to house them once they get out. So uh, this it's our work. And, and when I say it's our work, I mean the work we've been doing for for 50 years as a party and that I've been doing for nearly 60 years is about the liberation of black people. I want to be clear on that. And the government is clear on that. They use Russia, they use uh, this nonsense, uh, even at a time when we've seen white people scaling the walls of the Capitol, threatening to kill the vice president, the feet on the, on the desk of Nancy Pelosi, and you talk about we have some role under the Russians of contaminating the pristine elections that happen in this country. And I'm right now in a state where the guy who's running for Senate uh, one of his most uh, controversial, if you will, campaign advertisements or uh, 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 videos uh, has him smashing through a door, just like the FBI smashed through our doors, uh, uh, having uh, with camouflage carrying people, flashbang grenades, and him stepping in with an automatic weapon saying that he's going rhino hunting. 
we in the African People's Socialist Party are contaminating and undermining elections in this country. We are responsible for uh, discrediting the United States uh, around the world. This is the most ridiculous, asinine issue. But we, the African People's Socialist Party, we are busy all over the world. We have po actual political organization in South Africa, throughout the Caribbean, in West Africa. We are there uh, uh, in, in the slums, in, in, in places like Everton, uh, uh, Township, uh, in in, in South Africa and various places like that. So, so we are a problem. Uh, we are throughout the Caribbean as an organization. And uh, the United States has identified, uh, obviously, three strategic enemies. And one of them, clearly, uh, is Russia. The other is China that is dealing with right now. Very dangerous, very tense, uh, uh, serious situation. And Africa is one. That's why you got, for the first time in the 246-year history of the United States Marines, they've created, they've put forth their first uh, four-star black general. And they've given him the job of presiding over Africa Command, the, uh, the organization from the United States military to control, contain Africa. Uh, that finds itself, uh, it says, in a contest with Russia and China in Africa, and of course with black people in Africa. That's why you have the first uh, black uh, secretary of uh, defense, they call him, uh, in his history. So Africa is, a, is, a, is an enemy. And black people, if you remember, 1969, the FBI declared that the Black Panther Party uh, was the greatest threat to the internal security of the United States. And it was an organization dealing in international affairs, and it didn't have the kind of organizational presence that we have throughout the African world. So that's why we came under attack. It's an attack on the right of black people. It's an attack on, on our struggle uh, for the absolute total uh, liberation of all, every inch, square inch of Africa and its unification along with the African peoples around the world in solidarity with oppressed and colonized people elsewhere. And, Omali, you mentioned that, that uh, Russia identified as a, a, a prime enemy of the United States. Uh, what do you know about this guy, Alexander Ionov, the one who supposedly you are unindicted co-conspirators with, and, and these allegations that he's been spawning, he and others have been spawning uh, dissident movements within the United States? You know, I don't know uh, if the Russians are spawning dissident movements in the United States. I don't know the African People's Socialist Party, as you mentioned earlier, we're 50, we 50 years old. We're on the same trajectory we've always been. And I find it extremely problematic for this suggestion that somehow uh, the Russians, we needed the Russians to tell us. You know, it's, it fits into the whole narrative about colonized people and black people being too stupid to see our own future and control our own affairs, that we need somebody to come and tell us that, that, that America's treating us bad. George Floyd didn't happen. It wasn't the murder of Mike Brown uh, that brought uh, the African People's Socialist Party into Ferguson, St. Louis, that somehow the Russians had something to do with this asinine. And I, I, there's some things I will not talk about just in terms of still pulling together uh, legal forces to deal with this because they've stolen. So the people mentioned, uh, and they mentioned that they took laptops and cell phones uh, and, and other devices like that, but they took a lot more. They took years and years of communications with various people that we've had around the world and throughout this country. They've got texts, they've got emails, they've constructing uh, some narrative that will defend what it is they've done. They've created, they've created a political offense against us, and then they're using the law. They're constructing uh, a, a case using the law uh, to punish us for, for what they uh, cannot 
not characterized as a political crime. And the political criminal in this instance is the United States government. So I won't say too much, you know, uh, about that aspect of it, except to say that it's a bogus charge. It's a ridiculous charge. And anybody can see our history. Uh, this, they, there's this assumption that somehow somebody paid us to say something about, about uh, genocide against African people. 1950s, black people went to the United Nations charging genocide. 1982, we held a, con a, a first tribunal that ever happened in the world on reparations of black people in this country, a world tribunal with international jurors playing, playing a role in this. And we based it on international law. And one of the, uh, uh, the international law, one aspect of that was the, uh, the UN Convention on the Punishment of uh, Prevention and Punishment of the Crime of Genocide. We did that. And, and uh, this was at a time that the United States had not even uh, ratified uh, Amali, the Genocide Convention. Amali, just to be clear, you haven't been charged with anything. Right. I mean, they raided your house. They <laughs> handcuffed you and your wife. Um, they used flashbang grenades. But you weren't charged with anything. We haven't charged, been charged yet. Uh, I, I, we expect uh, indictment. We expect uh, also an attempt to separate uh, people from these incredible programs that we've been doing. And but much of this has been, by the way, uh, facilitated by white people who voluntarily pay reparations to the African community through us. I mean, we have 130-some-odd organization organizers in, uh, that is to say, 130 cities uh, that this white organization and our leadership is functioning in 30 states. So they haven't charged us yet. Uh, but that's the thing hanging over our heads. And then we are convinced that part of this also uh, is to represent threat, terrorize people. You can't communicate with us because the FBI is going to get your information and to keep people from pro uh, supporting the programs that we're doing. And now we have to spend money uh, buying uh, communications uh, capacity, you know, videos and, 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 and laptops and things like that, and to get lawyers. Because uh, this thing about unindicted co-conspirators provides them an opportunity anytime they want to, uh, to, uh, to file these charges. And we expect indictments to come. And we expect, you, yeah, uh, if you ahead. wouldn't mind your age, Amali? I'm 80. I'll be 80. I'm 81. I'll be 81 in October. We just have 30 seconds, but can you respond to the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Some of your um, properties in St. Petersburg were also raided, also in Florida. Yeah, I, I haven't heard a single uh, anything about a flashbang grenade going off at Trump's place. I haven't heard any flashbang grenades going off and any of those people climbing the walls of the Capitol. And the fact is that uh, the FBI is being used as political instruments, and certainly that's happened with us. And I can't speak to uh, the, the former president of the United States except to say that there's an obvious contest that's happening, happening between different sectors of the colonial ruling class in this country. And they would, if they could, lump us into their beef, their struggle. But uh, we are fighting for the liberation of black people, the unification, liberation of Africa, well, and we ain't going to stop. Hello, we want to thank you for being with us, Chairman of the African People's Socialist Party, uh, located in St. Louis, Missouri, set up there um, after, well, it was eight years ago yesterday when Michael Brown was killed by police. This is Democracy Now!, This is Reverend Billy. I'm here at the Earth Riot Radio microphone.
to be young, gifted, and black by Nina Simone. We turn to a remarkable scene that unfolded last night just north of New York City in Nyack, New York, in Rockland County. This is how the Journal News reported it. Quote, Activist and educator Angela Davis came to Rockland after all Thursday evening, meeting with North Rockland teens and hundreds of others after a planned school-sponsored event unraveled amidst criticism that she was too radical for the county and its children. The event finally took place at Pilgrim Baptist Church, with 500 people crowded in. There was no prior publicity, a strategic move, organizers said, after the North Rockland School District and then, quietly, St. Thomas Aquinas College in Spark Hill pulled out of hosting the civil rights activists because of protests. When Davis appeared, before she reached the podium, her audience burst into applause and gave her a standing ovation. <laughs> Angela Davis was introduced by North Rockland High School senior Anaya Willis with the student group Voice that invited Angela Davis to speak. The fact that we are able to stand and sit here today and fight for what we believe in, even if people are afraid of change, is an amazing thing because it shows that we can overcome anything if we all just put our minds to it. <laughs> Quoting the powerful Angela Davis herself, I'm no longer accepting things I cannot change. I'm changing things I cannot accept. When Angela Davis addressed the packed church, she said she was especially moved by the students' invitation to speak in Rockland County, because it was the longtime home of her dear friend and editor, the late, great novelist Toni Morrison. Davis talked about her history of activism and her hope for the future. But I think every day about the fact that I am associated with a people who have refused to give up yes. after centuries and centuries. Not only that, not only that, but who have created beauty in the process of struggling. i
my problem What am I gonna do now? Am I gonna make it? Somewhere, somehow Well, maybe I'm not supposed to know We hope you enjoyed today's show and that we leave you with something to think about something to talk to your neighbors about and a reason to get involved. As always, the opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests of Jaws of Justice Radio, not of KKFI, the Midcoast Radio Project Incorporated, its staff or volunteers. You can find our calendar of events and a link to our show episodes on the Jaws of Justice Radio Facebook page. You can always listen to us live and find our podcast on the KKFI website, kkfi.org. If you have a show idea or want to help produce the show, you can send an email inquiry or comment to kkfi.org forward slash contact. This is Jeff reminding you our outro music is Higher Ground from the Playing for Change CD.